Hello again. Um, it is really lovely uh, to be back with you today. Um, I, I, re I really mean that. It was really lovely to be here with you a couple of weeks ago, and it's lovely to be back. Um, I, I think you're quite a phenomenal community, because for me, one of the standouts that I see among this church and among you is encouragement. I think you're incredibly good at encouragement. And I just wanted to publicly note that and to cheer you on. Um, I watched that Sunday that uh, Stuart Hawthorne preached and the atmosphere that you set, you were encouraging him all through that Sunday. You set that tone. What a welcoming, encouraging tone for a new minister to come into. I've seen it myself. Um, I had joined the central leadership team and as part of that, I wanted to come and um, formalize my membership here at Carmine. And so I turned up that Sunday that they were bringing in new members and I tucked myself into the back seat um, and got chatting to a lovely couple. And when they found out that I was there on my own, they just literally took me under my wing and welcomed me. And again, a couple of weeks ago when I was here, you just were really encouraging to me. And I just wanted to note that and just say thank you. Thank you for that characteristic that you hold. I um, just want to cheer you on. So here we are, um, back uh, in this great series as we consider, consider the story of Elijah and in particular what it tells us about God. God's character, how he works, how he interacts with his people. So let me start with a question. How well do you know God? What picture are you carrying in your head about him? Is it big enough? True enough? Does it reflect him well? How well do you know God? This isn't a trick question. And I'm not looking for a verbal answer, but I want you to answer it in your mind. How well do you know God? A few years ago, I came across a line that seemed to capture quite beautifully the reality of knowing God. Um, the author wrote, years ago, God was a swinging speck in the distance. Now he is close enough, I can hear his singing. Soon I will see the lines on his face. Years ago, God was a swinging speck in the distance. Now he is close enough, I can hear his singing. Soon I will see the lines on his face. What a wonderful description of that lifelong journey of relational discipleship to which we are called. I don't know where you are, if God seems a swinging speck, or if you are close enough to see the very expression on his face. But I love the thought that the more I walk with him, the more I am aware of his reactions, his expression, his very real character. How well do you know God? How would you describe him? What words would you use? What emotions? What pictures? What stories? What is your testimony of him? What have you seen, lived, experienced? What have you discovered to be true? And what in your life and experience has borne out the truth? The divinity and holiness and goodness and power of God. The one who says, come and get to know me. 
the one who says, come and get to know me. And how do I know this? Because he's a God that engages with people, who allows us to know him, follow the story of Moses or David, listen to the conversations of those men, listen into the conversations of Job, watch divinity take on flesh in Jesus, look in the windows of the houses that Jesus sat in, listen in at the conversations round the table, and discover this is a God who wants to be known. And right now, as a church family, we are immersing ourselves in the story of Elijah. And there is no denying Elijah is a phenomenal story. A few weeks ago, we looked at the amazing account of Elijah following God's commands and taking the prophet Baal at the top of the mountain, a showdown. And now we pick up the next installment. When we left the story, the prophets had been defeated God had shown again that he was the one true God and the drought had ended. The rain started falling. Ahab was returning home and Jezreel was was too. In fact, we hear that he was running ahead. And we pick up the story with King Ahab returning to his wife and telling her what had happened. The first couple of verses say, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. I had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. What a threat. But surely Elijah had witnessed God in his power. He had seen God provide fire. Surely Elijah would be strong and confident in God. However, as we read on, we pick up this account to find Elijah alone, scared, and beyond hope. And in this part of the story, we read a really intimate encounter of Elijah and God. Elijah is afraid, desperately afraid, so low, so wrapped in fear, he wishes to die. In the previous chapter, we read of Elijah calling on the prophets of Baal to evoke their God. We read of how God presences himself powerfully through the fire on the wet wood. But this scene, it's quiet, it's lonely, it's painful. The account doesn't push into the why, but I guess we surmise. He was exhausted, the events had taken their toll, or perhaps there's more to Elijah than we know. And I often find myself asking that why question. And I am discovering that sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes, sometimes we just find ourselves in difficult situations. And so we read, Elijah was afraid. He ran for his life. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush. He sat under it and he prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. It almost seems like there are two sides of Elijah. Courageous, terrified. Obedient, despairing and full of excuses. And yet in the middle of this very beautiful scene, watch what happens. Listen in, stand at the edge of this scene and watch. We read, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. 
Elijah looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down. All at once. I find this a really powerful scene to watch. The gentleness of the provision, the graciousness of it, the practical nature of it. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And there by his head was some bread and a jar of water. And then what happens? The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. The angel returns. He comes back again. The gentleness of the provision the graciousness of it, the practical nature of it. And in this scene, we watch a very beautiful scene of compassion and care as the angel of the Lord tends to Elijah. Here we have it, a man at the end of his rope, laying under a broom tree, and in the middle of this, we find a God who comforts and provides. I wonder, do you have stories of God taking care of you, or of God being simply present, of that practical, compassionate heart of God. Today's sermon has been given the title, The God Who Communicates. And I think as I read the Bible, I'm discovering that that though God often does use words, often when he communicates, he reveals his character. He lets himself be known. And as he reveals himself to Elijah, he reveals himself to us today. Last time I was here, I spoke of how God's heart was for the Israelite people to be restored to him, the restoration of a nation. Well, today's account is private, it's personal, it's just Elijah. And in this we see God is compassionate, patient, He provides. Do you know this God? It reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan and how the Good Samaritan took care of the injured man. Read in Luke 10, he went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. An image of care, compassion, taking time. It reminds me of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem in Nehemiah when God was restoring his people's dignity and then further restoration would come. I wonder, do you have some stories of God taking care of you? Of God simply being present? Of that practical, compassionate heart? I was absolutely exhausted. I would come home from work, I would climb into bed and, for a cup, and fall asleep for a couple of hours each evening. There was no quiet times, no set times of reading my Bible or prayer. This was simply about survival. I would climb into bed and say, God, I am yours. And yet that prayer is probably the most profound that I have ever prayed. For a couple of months, this rhythm continued till my reserves were back up. It was a tough, tough season. Um, My hair fell out in handfuls. I have plenty of it, Um, but it was pretty hard. It was a steep learning curve 
of realizing I am not invincible. I couldn't do it alone. I needed him. I needed God, his presence, his restoration, his rhythm of life, not mine. This incident was almost 20 years ago, but it profoundly impacted me and still does. And I need to draw my life continually into his rhythms, not mine, and let his voice be the loudest, not mine. I wonder, does this resonate with you? Those months were some of the closest and most precious I've had with God. No big, long, quiet times, no holy walks or retreats, but I just was so aware of him being with me, being present. I have countless stories of his goodness, his presence. When I've messed up and I needed to say I'm sorry, when I've been too harsh on myself and I needed his voice to, to usher in the truth about who I am. When I felt lonely, yet aware, not just he is there, but his family are on the wings. I maybe haven't felt that despair of Elijah, but the compassion and care of God has been there. I wonder, do you know this? Sometimes when life is particularly dark, I think as Christians, we need to be wise about the words we use. And when it's so black, maybe silence is the best option. Silent, but present. And so I love how in this scene, the angel of the Lord responds with food and water and even the gentleness of the touch. Get up. I don't know what's going on with you. But I simply say, this is what God is like. Don't rush from that image of God with Elijah. Caring, patient, compassionate. Perhaps some of you need to see this, to hear this, to be reminded of the gentleness of his restoration. Maybe you're running an empty you need some practical care, maybe even some sleep, some rest. Let the image of Elijah settle in your soul. For some of us here, maybe we need, just need to know that God has not forgotten us. Maybe you're craving his touch, his presence, and I don't know why he feels distant. So all I can say is trust he is present. In the silence, in the darkness, he is present. This is about gently letting God be God and taking deep, deep comfort from his presence. This isn't the power of positive thinking or think yourself well talk. This is about gently letting God be God and taking deep comfort in his presence. Presence makes a significant, significant difference. Do you know this God? I want to be reminded. I want us to be reminded of this image of God. Simply present. Present when it's hard. Caring, compassionate. Do you know this side of God? As we tuck our lives in behind Jesus, we need to keep remembering the breadth of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. Remembering who God is, 
This isn't about us denying our humanity. This is about us remembering his divinity. He's the only strong one, only right one, only victorious one. We are his followers, are being transformed into reflections of him. But it's going to take a life and beyond. But we are being restored. So we will experience stumbling, getting it wrong, doubts, wondering, pushing into this com complexity of our faith. This isn't some shiny, happy, fake faith. It's a, I'll hold you through it all faith. The doubts, the stumbles, the falls are part of our humanity. It's not, did you fall? It's about who was with you. It's not about how dark it is right now. It's about who is with you. Do you know this God? Let me return to the story for there's more. God's restoration of Elijah doesn't stop there. And so we read that he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Note, 40 days and 40 nights. None of this was happening quickly. And he reached Hora, the mountain of God, and there he went into a cave and spent the night. Um, let's notice the time. This transformation, this restoration takes time. And then we read in verse 9, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Questions like this always amuse me. I mean, it's not like God didn't know the answer. And so it makes me think that God is not just about speaking, but about relationship, engaging with us. And Elijah replies, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites rejected your covenant, tore down your altars and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks. After the wind, there was earthquake. After the earthquake came fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Notice the same question. And Elijah replies, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword, and I'm the only one left. Notice it's the same response from Elijah. Only one thing is different, and that is his posture. Did you notice Elijah pulled the cloak over his face and stepped closer? And what follows is a set of instructions. The Lord tells him where to go, who to anoint, kings and prophets. He sends Elijah with his marching orders. Often this account of Elijah has been used as an illustration of the ups and downs of life, the fall after a high, the illustration of a great man getting it wrong. But maybe if I might be so bold, that's not new. The Bible is full of stories of failure and ups and downs. 
It seems to me God is after participation, not perfection. And I think there is more to these ups and downs of Elijah. And hear me right, Elijah has much to tell us about courage and despair and aloneness and fear. But I can't help but be drawn back to stand and look at this story. Because we have before us a story of presence of intimacy, of care and compassion. And through it all is a God with a plan, with a set of instructions. His restoration ushers in purpose. The chapter before was all razzmatazz. It would definitely have made the headlines. It would have filled the Twitter feeds. But this instant is just as powerful, but is a lot more hidden. The presence of God is seen simply that he is present. He is present with Elijah, compassion, not just once but twice. And through it all, he speaks. And when he speaks, he invites Elijah to go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And then he speaks in a whisper, giving Elijah his marching orders. He is drawing Elijah back in, back to his identity and his calling. This is a story that in equal parts terrifies me and affirms me. It terrifies me because God is using words to reveal his character. And affirming because this is the God who wants to be known and be known by us. This is a story that invites us to worship. We are reminded of the power of God. It's a story that invites us to get closer to God and ushers us to himself. It's a story that reminds us of the us, not just the me. Do you know the presence of God in your life? Do you acknowledge his presence? Do you allow God to care for you? But above all, do you allow God to give you purpose and direction? Elijah's encounter at the cave resulted in his marching orders. What might your restoration result in? As we ponder the impact of presence towards Elijah, towards you, can I throw out one final thought on posture? Let me read some of these verses verses again. And the Lord says, what are you doing, Elijah? And Elijah replies, I have been zealous for the Lord. And then God says, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And he came in a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his head, went out and stood on the mouth of the cave and said, and then the voice said again, what are you doing? Same response from Elijah. But one thing is different is posture. Elijah pulled the cloak over his face and stepped closer. And what follows are a further set of instructions. That image of Elijah pulling the cloak over his face and stepping forward has really stayed with me. I think it's a really powerful image. It speaks to me of Elijah, but also of God. Elijah is recognizing he is standing in front of the Holy One. But also he wants to be close, to listen, to meet. This is humble courage. I wonder, do I have humble courage? I wonder, do you? 
I wonder if this humble courage is part of the restoration process, the renewing process, part of what God gives to us. It's easy sometimes to talk a good game, but those moments when we realize whose game it is, oh boy, does the atmosphere change. Easy to carry some romantic view about following God, or even get trapped into scenes like the broom tree and expect God to simply care for us. And then we miss out what he's wanting to do regarding our identity and our purpose. All God asks of you and me is to step closer. Step closer. We might, like Moses did, get an insight into his character. We might, like Elijah, get our marching orders. We might, like Samuel, get a vision of the future. But what God asks, reveals, shares, is his call. So let me ask, what is your posture? Do you need to change it, adapt it? Do you need to be more open, more humble, more brave? To step forward, to slip the cloak over your head and step forward closer to God. God is inviting us to be part of his work. There is so much in this story, in this account, and I have just highlighted two aspects. There is more. Maybe you go back and read and consider other parts of this passage. Because above all, this is a God who communicates, who, who, a God who reveals who he is, a God who wants to be known. I love this account, this private, personal time we find Elijah at his lowest, and we also find God present, caring, patient, providing. Elijah regains strength and continues on his journey. We know this story, don't we? We've had times in our own lives when we have been spent physically, emotionally, spiritually, maybe even financially too, and we have needed help. Our God cares. He cares deeply what is going on with you. I'll hold on to that image of the angel of the Lord providing for Elijah. This is the God that we are talking about today. This is the God that we serve. Know this side of him. But also know you carry purpose. And so as God restores you physically, emotionally, spiritually, perhaps in the quiet, perhaps in the company and the assistance of others, know he bestows honor and purpose on your life. And as he reveals more of who he is, he simply asks us for humble courage, a willingness to know who he is, a willingness to step forward and to be ready. Will you? Will you allow these two powerful images in this story to draw you close to God and release into your life what God wants for you?